Good morning. I just, uh, over this past weekend, thanks for reading the book about Harry Houdini. You, know, you recognize that name, most famous magician of all time. And as I read through, he's a pretty interesting character. He could be kind and generous, but also brutal, uh, brutally uh, brutal with his, his competitors and people who crossed him. Uh, and he was, had a reputation amongst his fellow magicians uh, of being a good magician, but not the highest level, which is surprising because he was the most famous one. He wasn't the most skilled with card tricks or, or things like that, but what he was really known for, what he was really good at, were, were escapes. He was an escape artist. Whatever you put on him, uh, you know, whether it's uh, ropes or chains or handcuffs or straight jacket or whatever, you put those on him and, and, and he, he could get out. Uh, and the routine he did over and over throughout the world was he would enter a, a new city, he'd go to the local police station, he'd walk in and s- challenge them to try to put him in a cell, to lock him up, whatever they wanted to do. Uh, and every time, no matter what they did, he always escaped and got out. In the intro to one of the chapters in the book that I read, uh, he's quoted as saying this in 1925. It has always been one of my boasts, and who doesn't like to boast now and again, that I went St. Peter one better. He broke prison but had the assistance of an angel. I broke a numberless prisons single-handed. Now, how did he do that? How, what was the secret that set him free time after time after time? And wouldn't you like to know that secret? Wouldn't it be great to have the ability just to walk away from the things that, that hold you, that constrain you, that, that, that limit you, to, to walk away in freedom? Now, it's unlikely that any of us are going to be put up in front of a crowd uh, in, in chains and for the amusement of the crowd, but all of us have things that hold us, don't we? Some of them are positive things that we have commitments and obligations that hold us to our, our family, to our spouse, to, uh, to our job, perhaps, or our responsibilities. But some of the things which hold us are things which are negative, you know, being uh, stuck in a, or imprisoned by a certain behavior or thought pattern or, or certain responses. And in those cases, it's like we're a computer that's buffering, buffering, spinning, spinning, trying to connect. Uh, but can't move forward. What is the key to escaping those sorts of loops in our lives? The key to, to, to freedom. Let's take a look at Acts chapter 12 and the last part of chapter 11 today as we continue our sermon series, working our way through the book of Acts. Uh, and the book of Acts, just a quick refresher, the book of Acts is named for the Acts of the Apostles uh, in the first few decades uh, after uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so it traces the birth and growth of the church uh, as the Holy Spirit guides followers of Jesus. The author, as we know, was a man named Luke. He was a doctor as well as an historian. And uh, it's a book that challenges us as we read through it to be faithful and bold in proclaiming our faith in Jesus and to sharing that good news with others and to inviting people to the joy. Not a bunch of rules and laws, but inviting people to the joy of knowing Jesus and walking with him personally. Now, before we look at chapter 12, at, at Peter's escape, let's look at what comes before. In the second half of chapter 11, the church has been scattered in all directions because of persecution. And every time the, those who are persecuting the church tries to squash this movement, it pops up and thrives somewhere else. In fact, in verse 21, it says, The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And also it's here that Paul and Barnabas, who are are two guys who did missionary journeys together, they meet, and it's here that we read in verse 26, the disciples were called Christians for the first time at Antioch. Antioch would have been a city 
120 or so miles north of Jerusalem. And then we read about Peter's escape, his great escape from prison. Verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this was met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. And this happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. And Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So, a little bit of clarity here. Uh, sometimes it's confusing because there's three different King Herods in the New Testament. This is King Herod Agrippa I. He's, uh, he's the nephew of the Herod who had John the Baptist beheaded. And he's the grandson of the Herod who had all the boys soon under killed uh, in the area of, of Bethlehem after Jesus was born. So this king is out for Peter's head. Not looking good for him right now. He's against, uh, on one side there's Peter, this humble fisherman, this slash disciple of Jesus. On the other side, there's this, this king who is the, the most powerful man in the region, and he has the backing of this fearsome force of Roman soldiers. It doesn't look very good. It doesn't look to be any way out, any escape for Peter. You know, sometimes in life we might feel that way. You know, I've felt that way. There have been times when I've been kind of stuck in a pattern or discouraged about a situation. I think there, there doesn't seem to be a way out or through it. Uh, maybe you felt that way. Maybe you've struggled with a, a pattern in your life and you got to the point you're so discouraged that you just resign yourself to it and think, well, it's never going to change. I'm just going to let it happen. And, 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 and you just kind of go deeper and deeper into this rut you've created for yourself. And when you look up, you can no longer see any, any way out. Or, or maybe, maybe it's a situation where you feel trapped and, and imprisoned and constrained and threatened by those who do not want the best for you because, because of your faith in Christ, because of your, your witness and your, your beliefs and your choices. That was the case for Peter. So Peter here, he's thrown into prison. He's chained up in a cell. And there are 16, as we can see, 16 different Roman soldiers. These are hardcore mercenaries. These are not Barney Fife-type deputies. He's not going to get out or get away. There's one of them sleeping on each side of him. There's no escape. But then the key to the story, the key to Peter's freedom in verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The church was earnestly praying to God for him. They knew that if God did not step in and do something, Peter was going to die, just like James had died. The church knew there was no hope for Peter, except through prayer. Now, the Greek word they're using for prayer here is this word that means, it's, it, it, it has the idea of a muscle that's strained. It's stretched as far as it can go. It's almost ready to snap. It's, it's exerting itself. They were stretched out in prayer. This was not a flippant prayer. This was not a perfunctory prayer. This was not a kind of superstitious prayer. Let's just throw something up just in case there's a God up there. It, 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 was, it wasn't a, a prayer that was kind of they were felt obliged to. Hey, I said, I pray about this. I'm going to say, pray about it and move on and done. Check it off my mark, off my, my list. It, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a fervent, passionate, heartfelt prayer. It's the same prayer, the same word, that was used to describe Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. When it says, 
Being in anguish, Jesus prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. This is, a, this, is a, this is not an ordinary prayer. The only possibility Peter had for escape was through the power of the prayers of the people of God. Now, they could have come up with a plan to try to free him. They could have tried to bribe the guards. Uh, they could have tried to storm the prison with a large crowd at night. They could have tried to take, take things into their own hands. But ultimately, God is the one who delivers. Not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And prayer, true prayer, expresses that, understands that. Do, do our prayers reflect that? I mean, how often do we try to take things into our own hands? To manipulate, to, to out of fear or control or worry or, or pride, we try to control or manipulate a situation that we hope it'll go the way we want it to go. When we do that, it reveals a lack of trust, a lack of dependency upon God. And, and true prayer at its heart is dependency. It's dependency upon God. It's, it's a desperate dependency when we pray that way. Prayer becomes this mighty, powerful key that can unlock and, and is the key to setting us free from the things that hold us and the things that can hold the people that we know and love. If you're really counting upon God to do something, then you will pray fervently about it. But if not, you won't pray. Or if you do, it's just sort of a, a ritual, a few words thrown up, just in case. The power of prayer comes through our dependency upon God, the God that we pray to. And this is what happens here in the early church. And God answers that prayer, and Peter is, is delivered and set free. Let's take a look in verse 6. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial... Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap up your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. And then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything they were hoping would happen. So, Peter here, he, he, upstages, he upstages Houdini. He escapes without any effort, any skill on his part, any trickery on his own. The only key is, is the prayer of the people in his church. And then there's this kind of odd scene where he goes to the prayer meeting where they're praying for him. Rhoda answers this door. Uh, she's so stunned that she runs away to tell others and leaves and stands outside. And they don't believe her until they see Peter in the flesh. They cannot believe, even though they've been praying fervently, they can't believe their shock that God would answer the prayer in that way and, and so quickly and so dramatically. And now, now, most of the time with us when we pray and we see an answer, it's not this dramatic, it's not this drastic and stunning. But sometimes, sometimes God will answer a prayer that seems unlikely to be answered, and he does it in such a way that we cannot miss it or deny it. I, I, 
I told this story to staff on, on Tuesday. Um, before I attended seminary, uh, about 30 years ago, I spent a couple of years traveling around the U.S. and Canada with a small ministry team. We'd do concerts wherever they'd have us, schools, churches, prisons, wherever, military bases. We did all sorts of concerts everywhere. And we got to know each other well. And Monday, I received a long email from one of my teammates from the past. His name is Ron. Uh, I haven't seen Ron in person in at least 15 years, maybe closer to 20. And once in a while, I'll see something on social media and this and that, you know. Um, great guy. Well, last week, he shared a post that kind of mentioned some of the shared memories we had 30 years ago when we traveled. And so I kind of made a comment and sent him a message about it in just a, two or three sentences. But then he reached out to, he said, I want to share you a story. Give me your email address. He didn't know my email address. He didn't know my phone number. So I gave him my email address, and he sent me a story that about an answer to an earnest prayer in his life that happened 11 years ago that set him free to change the direction of his life in radical ways, and he wanted me to hear it. So here's his story. He was a very successful businessman. His business generated $4 million plus a year. Uh, he was a, business, a musician and an artist in a, in a big city, grew up in Chicago. All he knew was living in big cities. And yet, he was thinking about moving to India, to a very poor rural area of India, where he would be the only Westerner uh, in the region, and less than 1% of the region was Christian. And he did not want to go. And this was 11 years ago. He begged God to release him from going. He felt pulled to go, but he did not want to go. And one day, while he was driving from one city to the next, about a two and a half hour drive, he mentioned in the email, he, he wrestled earnestly with God in prayer. I do not want to go, God, but if you give me a clear, undeniable sign, I will. Over and over he prayed this, the whole trip, just him and God. No phone calls interrupting him, which was very unusual because he was a very busy guy, usually clients and employees, one phone call after the other. And as he pulled into his destination, he said, Amen, and the phone rang. It was a guy from his past. Um, he hadn't spoken with in a couple of years at least. And the guy uh, knew that Ron had visited India five years before that on a mission trip. And uh, he had a few questions about India because he was thinking of doing a similar trip. He had no idea Ron was thinking of moving there. Ron hung up after a while. The phone rang again. A guy from India had met five years ago, barely remembered, and had a brief conversation. Ron, he said, I've, I've heard you're considering moving to India. I think that's amazing. After a short while, he hung up. The phone rang again. This time, the voice on the end was me. I, I called him out of the blue. I hadn't spoken to him in years. I had no idea what was going on in his life. And sometimes when I call people, I like to joke around. Like, hello, this is, you know, God, you know, something like that, you know. Um, well, I said, hello, uh, this, this, this is your guru. I didn't identify myself. This is, this is your guru. Uh, God told me to call you, and you're supposed to move to a foreign land. Ron didn't tell me what he was thinking about doing. We talked for a while, and we ended the call. One more phone call, this time from someone who didn't share his faith in Christ, someone who had caused him much pain. They didn't care for each other. They hadn't spoken in, in 10 years. She called him out of the blue. Ron, I heard you're thinking of going to India. I, you know I don't really share your belief, but I know that you, you talk about a lot. I think you should do this. I think it's time for you to follow your God. After the last phone call, Ron felt peace. He felt set free to follow God to India. 
Now, again, this doesn't happen quite so dramatically for most of us when we pray, but, but I do believe, and the Bible teaches, that God hears our prayers, that God does answer prayer, that God can, like he did for Peter, give us a way out of a tough situation, give us direction, set us free, or set free the ones that we love. He may not answer prayer in the time that we want. He may say, not now. He may say, I've got a different plan, but trust me. But as we earnestly seek him, as we grow in faith, in our dependency upon him, fervently praying, we have access to amazing power. And unlike Houdini, there aren't any tricks or special talents needed to see great things done. Because you see, with Houdini, all his stunts and acts have been performed since then by other escape artists and magicians. And if you search online long enough, you can usually find explanations about how they do their escapes, their their tricks. There's no magic, of course, no special power, just hard work, talent, courage, charisma, and things designed to, to trick you or distract you in lots and lots and lots of practice. Peter's escape, on the other hand, was a result, a result of something very real, something very powerful, and it's not a secret. And it doesn't require natural talent, and this is something that is available to us and can be engaged and practiced by us. Prayer, earnest prayer. Dependent prayer. God loves and hears each of us. God has a plan and purpose for each of his children. And God will respond to the earnest prayers of his children. So practice, practice, practice. Pray with persistence. Pray with passion. Pray perpetually. Not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Where the spirit is, the Bible says, there is freedom. So let's Let's end by going back to the key to Peter's escape, the key to his freedom. So Peter was kept in prison, but but the church was earnestly praying for God to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are our Father, that you love us, that you've created us to know you, to walk with you. Um, and so, Lord, we thank you that we can, we can talk to you, we can pour out our hearts, and you hear us. Lord, we ask that you would help us to grow in our dependency on you, our trust in you, and that our prayer life would reflect that. And Lord, as we, as we pray as individuals, as we pray as a church, Lord, we, we trust and look forward to seeing you doing great things to set us free to be bold, to set us free from addiction, to set us free from the things that we struggle with, to set free the ones that we love, that they might come to know you. So, Lord, help us to to pray, to pray, to pray. Amen.